you, and uh, I know these are some really important points that we've, we've been making and developing, and I just want to keep reminding you, first of all, that you are a three-dimensional being. You are a three-dimensional being. Most people think of themselves as a one-dimensional being, and, um, and, and again, God did not create you as a, as a one-dimensional being. He created you as a three-dimensional being. There's many things about life, and especially the Word of God, that you'll never understand. If you don't understand that you are a spirit, you possess a soul, and all of that is contained within a physical body. We've been talking about salvation, and we said that Jesus saved us from the corrupted seed of Adam. He didn't just save us from our sin. He didn't just save us. Uh, he did save us from our sin, but He did more than that. He didn't just save us from bad thinking. He did more than that. He went all the way to the nature level of our existence, and that is, of course, where we were born again. The new birth is a literal experience. The new birth is a literal experience. It's not figurative. It's not imaginative. It's not metaphorical. Um, when you were born again, if you have been, the deepest part of you, your spirit, was born a second time of a new seed. And seed determines the nature uh, of a thing. Seed determines nature, rather, and the only way to change the nature of a thing is to change the seed that produced it. So Jesus came to, to change our nature. Um, the Bible says that we were by nature sons of disobedience and children, offspring of wrath. And that's what ultimately Jesus came to change, not just our behavior or modify our thinking, but he bled to death on that cross so that we could receive a new nature. And the only way to receive a new nature is to be born a second time of a different seed because, again, seed determines the nature of a thing. And so the Bible says that we've been born again of the incorruptible seed of the Word of God and we are now partakers of the divine nature. That's in 2 Peter 1. A few more things. It was not your sin that made you a sinner. and It was not your good works that made you righteous. It was Adam's sin that made you a sinner. I'm not saying you haven't sinned. I'm not saying that I haven't. But it was not your sin that made you by nature someone who is or was a sinner. It was Adam's sin. In the same way, the last Adam, Jesus, it was his obedience, it was his sinless life that made you righteous. Now, this is where we've built on these things, and I just want to keep planting these seeds because I feel like, you know, you just sense things, and, and I know maybe some of you are struggling with these points, but seed determines the nature of a thing, and nature transcends behavior. Transcend means is greater than, more powerful than. Um, and so behavior, this was the point that we've been making over and over Behavior cannot change nature uh, from bad to good or from good to bad. In other words, you, someone who's a sinner by nature cannot do enough good works to change their nature from sinner to saint. And I can get an amen on that just about in any church in the United States. Amen. For that matter, the world, Christian, Bible-believing people. But it's the other way. You know, we, we, we amen that good behavior can't change nature from sinner to saint, but Many people believe that, you know, one mistake, you're right back, you know, sinner again. And that's just simply not how it works. Now, last bit of the review, and this is going to carry us over into what we're going to be talking about tonight. And that's connecting the idea of being saved, receiving salvation, and being born again. And, and this is really, really important because a lot of times we study these things and understand these things in, you know, from the perspective or in the context of what Jesus did, but we never really understand um, what it means to us. Uh, I like to say it this way. The four Gospels tell us you know, what Jesus did uh, for us, um, but it's the epistles, it's, it's the books of the Bible that come after those Gospels that tell us you know, why He did it and what it means to us. And there's a lot that we understand about his death and burial and all these things that we take for granted, but we would never know it if the Bible ended with the book of John. And so, as we talk about these things, certainly we want to give glory and honor to Jesus for what He did and, and, and His uh, sacrifice for us. But unless we connect with it on a personal level and realize that what He did, He did uh, for us, he, he, he didn't come to make himself right before God in the eyes of God. That was already established. But he came as our substitute. So a couple of verses, Colossians 1 and 18, it says, He is the head of the body, speaking of Jesus, the church. 
who is the beginning and the firstborn from the dead. It's very important. The firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. Jesus was the firstborn from the dead, but he's not the lastborn from the dead. So if you've been born again, you were born from spiritual death. You were also born from the dead. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So notice, you know, we talk about Jesus being raised from the dead. We celebrated Easter you know, a few weeks back. Um, but that resurrection was also uh, His new birth. Jesus was born from the dead. Amen. And in so uh, doing that, accomplishing that, He blazed a trail for all of us to follow and come behind Him. All right, now, let's do this. Um, we're, we're talking about identifying with the completed work of Jesus. And we began this last week, so I don't want to go too heavy on the review. Identifying with the completed work of Jesus. And we said that there were um, five uh, key uh, things that, um, that He has done for us. And I want to I break those down, again, not just so you can give Him praise and honor for it, but so that you can recognize that He did these things as your substitute. Remember the Old Testament system, the, the sacrificing of the, of the animals um, as a substitute for the sins of the people. In other words, the Bible says the soul that sins shall die, uh, but Father allowed an animal to be a substitute. All of that preparing the people's hearts for when Jesus would come as the ultimate and final substitute uh, for each one of us. And so when Romans 8 talks about our suffering with Him, that we may be glorified together with Him, what, what, he's, what that really means uh, <clears throat> is that we're accepting His sufferings as our own. Uh, that we're accepting for ourselves what we could never do for ourselves, but Jesus did for us. And so now, by faith in Him, we are accepting His completed work. And, and so, again, every aspect, every component of this is extremely important. So the first thing that Jesus did for you and me is He lived a sinless life. He lived a sinless life. Hebrews 4, 2 Corinthians 5, Romans 8, all talk about this. We looked at those verses last week, those those in the archives, if you weren't available, if you weren't, if you weren't here last week, I'm not going to go back through all those verses. Uh, but again, it's clearly established that Jesus lived a sinless life. And again, He did that as, as your substitute, as my substitute, because remember now, He's going to give you His righteousness. So when Father looks at you, and we'll talk about righteousness, I think we may get into it before we're done tonight, but... When Father looks at you, He doesn't just see you as a forgiven sinner. He doesn't see you as someone who has sinned and is now forgiven. But remember, the person that sinned was buried with Christ and you became a new creation, born of His incorruptible seed. And so when Father looks at you now, He sees you as one who has never sinned. Because again, Jesus lived a sinless life as your substitute and then gave that uh, nature he gave that it's more than credit but gave credit to you for doing that all right so let's move forward so the first thing jesus did for us is he lived a sinless life the second thing that he did for you and me is he died on the cross he died for your sins and for my sins turn with me to galatians chapter 2 and verse number 19 galatians 2 and 19 and this uh, we'll look at some other verses but man this one right here uh, is uh, just pretty much says it all praise God um, <clears throat> Galatians 2 and 19 it says for I through the law died to the law that I might live to God I have been crucified with Christ it is no longer I who live but Christ lives in me and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Now, I'm, I'm being a bit uh, facetious here, speaking as a man, as Paul would often say, but you know, it's, it's like, you know, 
where in the world is Paul coming from on this? Well, he's coming, the Holy Spirit is speaking through Paul to us, right? Paul said he was crucified with Christ. When Jesus hung on that cross, Paul recognized that it, it, was, it was him hanging there as well. I like to say it this way. Jesus didn't just uh, die for you. He died as you. He died as you, okay? Um, so he goes on in verse 21, uh, saying, Galatians 2, I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. So setting aside the grace of God is, is to recognize what Jesus has done for us, but to think that, that somehow we've got to add to or do more in order to be righteous. That somehow you know, we've got to obey the law. Uh, and, and Paul is saying if, right, if the law could make us righteous, then Jesus died for no reason. All right? Now let's go over to Colossians. Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 1. Amen. Colossians 3, and we'll look at the, uh, look at the first four verses here. Colossians 3 and 1, it says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ, is, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. And then uh, moving down to verse uh, number 3, For you died... So notice here, it doesn't get any plainer than that. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. So notice now, Paul said he was crucified with Christ. And now he's again very plainly saying that you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Remember We've been talking about how we are in Christ. We put on Christ. We were baptized into Christ. And because we are in Him, our life is now hidden with Him, hidden with Christ in God. All right? Now, let's go to uh, Romans, the sixth chapter, please. Romans chapter six. Romans chapter six. Amen. So I've explained this. Uh, I think a lot of folks that are, that are watching, a lot of the people... Uh, you know, home folks here at Heritage, our family of faith here at Heritage, many, many of you have taken the discipleship class. Some have not. Uh, this is a little different, like if, if you hear me preach on a Sunday or, or preach on a Wednesday night, um, this is a little different. This is more geared towards teaching uh, line upon line, line upon line, precept upon precept, precept upon precept. And so we cover a lot of verses. We cover them uh, rather quickly, okay? So thank you for, for keeping up and, and again, uh, all of these are being recorded and archived. You can go back to them later uh, if, uh, if necessary. So Romans chapter 6 and verse number 1. What are we talking about? We're talking about identifying with Jesus' death on the cross. That when He died, I died. When He died, you died. You were crucified with Him. And so notice what He says here in verse number 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? Okay? Now, I'm not going to take the time to, to point out all of these. It, it, it would be a really good study, but we're, we've got other, as, as you could say, uh, fish to fry tonight. We've got other, another agenda tonight. But one of the things that that will really help you, and I'm going to point it out here, is when we read, like, for instance, Romans chapter 6, a lot of times when we hear the word sin, we think of it in terms of a verb. A, a verb, remember, is an, is an action. So, for instance, when the Bible says, how shall we who died to sin live any longer in it, our minds, are, and maybe it's just me, but I don't think so, amen, our minds tend to go to the, to the act of committing a sin. In other words, sin in a verb form. Okay? This particular word right here, sin, is not a verb. It's speaking of sin as a noun. It's speaking of sin as a condition. It's speaking of, of sin as an identity. It's speaking of someone who was born of the corrupted seed of Adam, uh, sons of disobedience, children of wrath, amen, uh, this is what it's referring to here. So notice 
um, how shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? So think about what he's saying here. And, and this is building a little more onto this because when Jesus died, uh, he died for our sin. He died unto sin. Amen. And if we died with him, that means we also died to sin. This is where um, the, 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 sin, the sin nature that uh, we once were, it's not just something we had, this is, what, this is who we were, amen? This is, this is where that part of you died, amen? And we see that he says that since we've died to sin, um, how can we live any longer in sin? Again, not just the act of committing sin, but in, uh, in, the, in the state of one who is by nature a sinner, right? Now, notice that in these verses help bridge us in to the next. We're looking at five different things tonight. Number one, Jesus' sinless life. Uh, when we couldn't live a sinless life, He lived one for us. Then we're identifying with His death on the cross. Which when He died, we died with Him. Uh, when He died for you, He didn't just die for you, He died as you. And you died when He died. This is what we mean by identifying with, with His death. Now, we also see that we are identifying with His burial. Identifying with His burial. We know that Jesus was taken down from the cross and He was buried. And if we died with Him, then we also were buried with Him. So let's look at this in uh, the next verse down, Romans chapter 6, verse number 4. Therefore, we were buried with Him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So clearly that's leading us to number 4, His resurrection. But before we get there, I want to talk about something again that's, that's very important. Remember, you are a three-dimensional being. You will never understand these verses thinking in one dimension. So when he says you died, it wasn't my physical body, it wasn't my flesh that died, it wasn't my soul, my mind, emotions, and will that died. What part of me died with Christ? It was my spirit. The, remember, that part of me is the part of me that is my nature. I'm going to I'm going to go back and find it real quick. I'm feeling led to do it in my notes. Praise God. Let's go, let's go. There's a lot of notes here. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. All right, here we go. Um, remember, this, remember this drawing here, okay? I'm going to read Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3 with this on the, on the screen. Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh. That's our body, our behavior, our conduct. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind, that's our soul and our thinking, and were by nature, that's your spirit, children of wrath just as the others. Okay? So when I died with Christ, this part of me did not die with Christ. This part of me did not die with Christ. This is the part of me, my, my spirit, my dead spirit that was born of corrupted seed, this is the part of me that died with Christ. This is the part of me that was buried with Him. Okay? Now, why am I spending so much time on this? There are, there are so many people who, who struggle with this idea of a dual nature within man. Okay? A dual nature. And, and this goes back to the one-dimensional thinking and, and, and really overplaying uh, you know, the hand as, as far as um, you know, the, the understanding of, of what it means to be born again, what it means to get saved, right? So you can disagree with me, but just hear me out, please. Hear me out, please. Um, when Jesus died for you and me and was buried for you and as you and me, this is the part of us that He came to, to not just change, but again, how do, how do you change it? You've got to get rid of this guy altogether. When, when he put a new spirit in you, he didn't refurbish this one. 
He nailed this one to His cross and then buried it. And when you were raised up together with Him, you came out of that tomb of death born again from death. Amen. Not with a refurbished spirit, not with a, a, a nature now that's going to you know, have a new chance at trying to be good. You were reborn with a new nature. The divine nature of God. Now, I know, and, and so just hear me out, please. And, and some of the classes that are ahead, we're going we're to get into the renewing of the mind. But, but just pray about this and ask the Holy Spirit and see if He won't help you with this. I know that there are a lot of theologians, there are a lot of denominations. I mean, I, I've had people get very, very I mean, agitated at me for even daring to say this, okay? But listen to me, please. Why, you, people say, well, why, does it, why do I still want to sin? Why, why do I still, am I drawn to, to uh, you know, sinful things and things that I know are wrong? Well, Paul talked about that in Romans 7 and Romans 8. Let, let, me, let me offer this one explanation, okay? The old you left an imprint on your mind, on your thinking, on your emotions, your feelings, and an imprint on your will or your choices. And that's why, and I'm going to use this word very, I'm going to overemphasize it almost to the state of being annoying, okay? That's why it seems like you have a dual nature. You do not have a dual nature. The completed work of Jesus put a new nature in you, put His nature in you. And as our minds are renewed by the Word of God and the Holy Spirit to the reality of this new nature, our behavior begins to reflect it. So if we go all the way back to some of the first classes we had talking about discipleship, discipleship is, is growing up into Jesus. It involves renewing of the mind. It involves finding out who you became the day you became that new creation. Okay, But it's also talking about discipleship is about the inward reality of the new birth becoming an outward expression of life. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it under the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So... You died with Him. What part of you died? This part of you died. What part, among other things, what part does this contain? This is where your nature resides. This is the part of, this is why, this is why you had to be born a second time of a, of a different seed because seed determines nature. You can't change nature without changing seed. I know, I know, I mean, this, Father God set these laws up, right? Amen. And He's not going to break His own laws. So this again is why Jesus didn't say to John, uh, I'm sorry, Jesus didn't say to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, you know, man, if you could maybe look into seeing about getting born again, might be a good idea for you. No, he said, you must. You must. There's no other way. You must be born again. So when we talk about his burial, remember, this is such a, a key factor. If we died with Him, and, and then we were buried with Him, okay, we were, we were buried with Him through baptism into death. That's how He took that old nature and, and, and literally did away with it. <laughs> I, like, I like to say it this way. Jesus buried your old man in an unmarked grave. Well, I'm a, Again, that, that part of me is, is gone. He died with Jesus. And when I was raised up together with Him, I was raised up, as this verse says, to newness of life, right? So, let's go back then. I just want to review them all. I know I'm, I'm keeping on here. I want you to, man, I, I hope three days from now you're still thinking about this, okay? So, identifying with the completed work of Jesus, His sinless life, His death on the cross, His burial and now His resurrection. Okay, let's keep going here in Romans the 6th chapter, verse number 5. Romans 6 and 5. It says, For if we have been united together in the likeness of His death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of His resurrection. Alright? So, again, it's, it's back to, if we were crucified with Him, then we were buried with Him. And now he says, if we were united together in the likeness of his death, his crucifixion and his burial, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of 
His resurrection. Listen to this verse in, in relationship to what we just got through talking about. Uh, one nature versus two. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been free from sin. Okay? So again, you've got to understand the difference between a noun and a verb here. Not just talking about sinning. Certainly, born-again people still have the capability of sinning because we're a three-dimensional being. A, a spirit that possesses a soul that lives within a body. And our flesh is pulling against our spirit. And, and, and the Bible says that, that when a man sins, it's when he's drawn away by his own lusts, his own desires, and enticed. But notice he says the old man was crucified with Jesus. It wasn't my physical body that was crucified with Jesus. Again, it wasn't my soul that was crucified. It was my spirit that was crucified with Him that the body of sin might be done away with that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Let's keep going. Verse number 8. For if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over Him. Now this is some good news right here, because death no longer has dominion over Him. Death no longer has dominion over you. I think sometimes when, when we, we think in terms of eternal life, that we think in terms of, you know, somebody passes away, and, and maybe an angel or something runs down there right quick and gives them some eternal life. That is, that is not what the Bible teaches. If you have been born again, you have already received eternal life. The life and nature of God, the zoe of God, without end, overflowing abundance without end. Amen. So death no longer has dominion over Him, and because death no longer has dominion over Him, death has no, no longer has dominion over you. Let's keep going. Romans chapter 6, verse uh, number 10, for the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Okay. Now, that phrase, he died to sin once for all. Okay. Sometimes, and, and we use that phrase, you know, we throw that around in our, you know, day-to-day lives or whatever, you know. And we tend to put an and in there, once and for all. And, that, and that's okay. But again, maybe it's just me, but I, I went so many years overlooking the simplicity and yet amazing magnitude of that statement. He did it once, one time, for all people. Once for all. He did it once for everybody. He doesn't have to do it again. Amen. And, and, of course, how does, how does someone get in on this, what He's done? You have to accept for yourself. You have to receive for yourself what Jesus has already done for you as your substitute. Okay? Likewise, listen to this verse right here, verse 11. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Why do you think he's... We're going to talk about the word reckon in just a moment. But why do you think he says, reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin? Well, I think the main reason is, uh, if you're like me, it don't seem like I'm dead to sin. Right? In other words, uh, you know, temptation and, and, and things that try to pull us away and, and uh, you know, Sins of commission, sins of omission, knowing to do good and not doing it, so forth and so on. Um, it's even caused a lot of people, and, and for that matter, for me, many years early in, in, in my walk with the Lord, you know, questioning whether or not I was saved. You know, it's like, man, you know, am I, am I, am I really born again? You know, still struggling in, in these areas. Now, when he says, reckon yourselves to be dead indeed, to sin. I'm going to go back um, and put our drawing up. Praise God. I should have moved one down closer to my notes. All right. 
Um, <clears throat> it's not a trick question. Which of these three parts of you, you know, which one do you reckon with? Okay. Uh, clearly, reckoning is something you do in your mind. Um, and so he says, likewise, reckon yourselves indeed dead to sin. So here, it may not look like, seem like, or feel like you're dead to sin. Here, you absolutely are dead to sin. Reckoning yourself dead to sin will help you live free from sin in your body and behavior because you are free from sin. Are you seeing this? Again, three-dimensional. You're a three-dimensional being. You've got to think in three dimensions. Okay? Free, how, how do we get free from sin? We died with Jesus. We died one, he died once for all to sin. Okay? Put an end to it. All, one sacrifice for all sin for all time. Hebrews elaborates on that even further for us, okay? And we died with Him. We were buried with Him. We were raised up with Him to newness of life. We received a new nature, born from that death, okay? Right? Became a new creation. Remember what 2 Corinthians 5 says, Old things have passed away. Uh, uh, behold, all things have become new. Well, my eye color didn't become new. My thinking, you see what I'm saying? This is where all things became new. So free from sin, reckoning myself indeed because of what's happened to me, identifying with it personally, receiving it, understanding what's true about me now. Again, this is what will not only motivate me, but literally empower me to live in victory over sin. Oh, praise God. Amen. I hope you're getting something out of this tonight. Now, this brings us Let's see, where are we? I, I tell you what, let's go, let's look at one more. Um, so we were here. Let me put this back up here one more time. Likewise, you also. I want to point out the use of that word you. This is something you have to do for yourself. It's something you have to do personally, individually. I can't do it for you. You can't do it for me. But you need to reckon yourself dead indeed. See, just try this next time. You know, the Bible says we all have a sin that, that easily besets us. And so, you know, the next time, you know, the temptation's trying to pull you away from, from the path, try confessing out of your mouth, I'm dead to that. I, I died to, to addiction. I, I, I died to, to lust. I, I, I'm dead to that. Amen. I'm over it already. Amen. Out of your mouth, understanding, spirit soul, and body, okay? Let's go to John chapter 11 and verse number 25. John 11 and 25, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. All right, so see, let's go back now. To, obviously, we've slipped from the epistles back into the Gospels. This is Jesus speaking to Mary and Martha. Jesus said to her, I am, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Okay. Do you remember, um, amen. Let's, um, I want to put it back up here one more time. I might put it back up here more than one more time. Amen. So, remember when God said to Adam, if you eat from the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, um, the, the King James says you shall surely die. The literal translation of that would read this way, in dying you shall surely die. Okay? What is he, how do we understand that? Again, if, if you only think in one dimension, you're going to be confused by this. When they ate from the fruit that God told them not to eat from, they died spiritually. In dying, and that happened immediately, you shall surely die. So they continued to maintain a biological existence 
but they were spiritually dead. So we know that there's zoe, that's the spiritual life and nature of God, amen, and there's bios, which is just physical or biological life. So God said, if you eat of the fruit, in dying you'll surely die. Dying you'll surely die. If, you, if those of you who are in the class, those of you who are not, I'll just quickly, um, one of the ways that I like to illustrate this years ago, um, I took a, a sander, an orbital sander, plugged it into the wall, held it up on my head, over my head, and just cranked it up wide open, and walked until I pulled it out of the, the cord out of the wall. Well, it became disconnected. It didn't stop immediately, though. It ran and ran and ran and ran and ran and ran until it stopped, okay? So when, when sin unplugged Adam and all of Adam's descendants from the, the life flow of God's you know, life and nature, we maintain biological existence, but again, it's fleeting. So in dying, he said, you shall surely die. Now, if you, um, if you go back to where we were in John 11 and 25, Jesus said, um, I am the resurrection and the life. Who, he who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Now, now we're, we're, we're going back, okay? The, the death now is in the physical part, but the body may die, the bios may expire, but if you believe in Him, because He is resurrection and zoe, amen, then you shall live, and whoever, uh, whosoever, whoever uh, lives and believes in Me shall never die. Do you believe this? Well, I know there's a lot of folks who've taken this and they've said that, you know, this, this means that as Christians, we don't have to die physically. Well, again, you've got to let the Bible interpret the Bible. The Bible says it's appointed unto man wants to die. You know, the physical body, okay? But if you understand three dimensions, again, I've said it so many times, but it'll answer a thousand questions for you when it comes to the Word of God. Whoever lives, meaning someone who is, who is biologically alive and believes in Jesus will never die. Doesn't mean their physical body won't die, but there that the real you your spirit your born again spirit will live amen all right now let's wrap this up his so we're identifying with we said five number one is sinless life number two is death on the cross number three his burial number four his resurrection okay so he lived a sinless life as you he died as you when he died you died when he was buried you were buried i was buried with him as well when he was raised up the newness of life. You and I were raised up together with Him. That's why at Easter, you hear me say it over and over again, we're not just celebrating Jesus' resurrection at Easter. We're celebrating ours. But then, the fifth part of this, and this is so important. This is so important. Identifying with the completed work of Jesus. Jesus didn't just come back from the dead for you and as you. He then ascended to the throne of the universe for you and as you, let's go to Ephesians chapter 2, praise God, Ephesians chapter 2, thank you Jesus, all right, amen, a lot of verses here, and we have, uh, for several years now, we've been doing a word by word study of the book of Ephesians here on Sunday mornings, uh, the class at Heritage. And um, the book of Ephesians is often referred to as the capstone epistle. Capstone being like the, the final stone placed on top of a tower or a building. And you can you say, how, how is it that you've studied you know, just a handful of chapters <laughs> for that many years? Well, it's because you can literally study the whole Bible from the book of Ephesians. And um, it was... Um, I'm almost positive in this, one of the last, if not the last letter that Paul wrote, but whether that's true or not, don't quote me on that, what we do see in it is um, basically all that Father God revealed to Paul is included in Ephesians in one form or another, 
and it's really compacted and condensed. Now, that's true of the book of Ephesians. And what we've covered tonight, um, I want you to notice that you're going to see uh, pieces of this uh, in the, under all of this in these verses uh, that uh, we're going to look at. Okay, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. It says, and you... He made alive. So again, personalizing this. And you, He made me alive. Amen. Say it. Look at somebody. He, he made me alive. Okay. And you, He made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. So notice we were dead. I was dead in trespasses and sins. Um, Three dimensional, one more time. That's speaking of your, you being spiritually dead. And you, He made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. He used to work in us, but we don't have that spirit anymore. Amen? Let's keep going. Verse 3. Among whom also we all once conducted. So he's talking about past tense here. You've got to get the, the tenses right here. We all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. That simple phrase, just as the others, means everybody, Jew, Gentile, every human being in the same boat. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up together, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Wow. Wow. Amen. See, and I, I believe that we have this, um, you know, we, we like to take uh, photographs, you know, to remember things by. Um, we, uh, now videos, right? And uh, boy, the, the, the smartphone has made it, you know, so convenient. You can just uh, capture, you know, video. Just pull out your phone and, you know, HD video. I, I, I sometimes, you know, talk to young parents today, and and um, you know, when our kids were little, you know, you had to buy the camera, you had to buy the film, you had to buy the flash bulbs, you know, and then uh, go get them developed, and you know, your finger would be in the lens and all the other stuff, you know, and, uh, you know, one birthday party, you know, Bethany probably took, takes more pictures than, you know, we were able to take, you know, their whole childhood, maybe, I don't know, but anyway, um, but I, I'm saying all that to say, I believe that, um, that we get that from our Heavenly Father, for instance, the Bible says that He has a book of remembrance, and anytime anybody gets together and talks about Him, he records it in a book. Um, who was there, what was talked about. Um, and so he likes to capture those moments in memory. So I'm, I'm hanging my hat on, on, on the idea that we get that from him and that one day when we get to heaven, we're going to get to see a video of the Red Sea party. We're going to get to see um, you know, what it really was like when Jesus multiplied the fish and all, all these other things. I believe they're, they're archived in heaven. And, and this is one scene that I would really love to see um, is, is when Jesus ascended. If, if you recall, he was you know, crucified on, on Passover and he was raised from the dead. And then um, he wasn't just like high and by. Uh, he remained on the earth for 40 days uh, teaching uh, his disciples about things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Uh, Paul even records that uh, in, in one event, Jesus appeared to more than a, 
a crowd of more than 500 people. Um, and so, <laughs> amen. I know, again, we think, you know, we, I guess the Easter dramas, you know, we, we, we think it was just kind of a quick turnaround. It was not. But then um, he, on that 40th day after his crucifixion, he ascended. And literally the Bible says that he was standing there with his disciples and he just, I mean, he just took off. I mean, like Superman. I mean, I'm not, I don't mean no disrespect. I mean, literally to the point that they were standing there long after he was out of sight, they were staring at that, at that last spot. It's kind of like when Bethany went to her first missions trip and Pam and I stood there and watched that airplane until it was gone and we were still staring at the last spot in the sky that we could see it. I mean, that's kind of how they were standing there staring at the sky and the angel says, hey, you know, it, why are you standing here staring at the sky? The, Jesus is gone, but he's coming back in the same manner. So, in other words, he went from the earth to, to the heaven and then he's going to come from the heaven back to the earth. Amen? He's going to make that return. Um, and so we celebrate this. And this part right here may, may be the hardest one for people to identify with. But please, don't let the enemy steal this from you. Um, the Bible says that when he ascended from this earth to sit at his Father's right hand, that you are seated there with him now. That you are seated together with him in the heavenly places. So notice, we were dead, he made us alive, he raised us up, and made us sit together, verse 6, in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, Far above, right? It's what the Bible teaches us in other places. That we are seated there with Him, far above all principality, power, might, and dominion. Every name that can be named. Amen. Remember, we are, we're on the earth, but while we're here, we're also in heaven. Remember, Jesus said to Nicodemus, um, No one's gone up to heaven, but the Son of Man who came down from heaven, uh, who is also in heaven. And I'm sure Nicodemus was standing there going, what, right? But he's talking, and, and then he goes on to say, and so is everyone who is born of the Spirit. In John chapter 3, read it later, but John chapter 3. I'm just bringing it up now because what was Jesus saying? Jesus was saying, Nicodemus, I'm here on the earth, but while I'm here, I'm also in heaven. He was touching two worlds at the same time. And now this is what has happened. This is the, the, the predicament, the situation, not predicament, but a good predicament, amen, that Father has put in, put in place for you and me. We're here, but while we're here on the earth, we're seated with Jesus far above all the demons in the lower atmosphere that are trying to control the earth, having authority over them in His name. Let's keep going and then we'll, we'll finish right here for tonight, okay? He says, For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Now let me stop here for just a moment, okay? When we talk about His sinless life, when we talk about uh, our dying with Him, our being buried with Him, our being raised up together with Him, and our ascending with Him and, and sitting with Him uh, together with Him in the heavenly places, there, there is a very important name uh, for this doctrine. There's a very important name for this teaching. Okay, Are you ready for it? It's called salvation. Okay? This is what it means to be saved. If you have received salvation, you may have never had, you may have never even heard these things before, but every bit of it's true about you right now. He sinless life, you died with him, you were buried with him, you were raised with him, and you ascended with him, and you were seated with him, whether you ever believe it or not, whether you ever exercise the authority that you have as one seated with him or not, it doesn't change the fact that it's absolutely 100% true about you right now. And notice again it was almost since like the Holy Spirit through Paul was so excited. I'm going to go back up here. Um, remember, he says, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Notice in parentheses, by grace you have been saved. It's like he's, he couldn't even wait. It was like, I just I got to let you know what we're talking about here. We're not talking about some extreme doctrine. We're not talking about the faith movement. We're not talking about something that, that Brother Copeland or Brother Hagin came up with. We're talking about salvation we're talking about simple salvation and what is true about someone who has been born again for by grace you've been saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God not of works lest anyone should 
boast. Verse 10, for we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Man, this verse speaks of so many things, that verse 10. That word workmanship in the Greek is the word that we get our our English word poem from. It's poiome, if I'm saying it correctly, in the Greek, Greek transliteration, P-O-E-M-I-A, I I believe. And um, so the idea behind a poem is it's something that has had a lot of thought put into it. If you write a poem, you don't just write something down. It's not like a grocery list, right? It's, It's something that has structure and, 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 and timing and so forth and so on, right? So he's saying that, that we are his handcrafted, uh, thought-out workmanship, that we were created in Christ Jesus for good works, amen, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. In other words, this is, this is Father's way of getting us back to where he always wanted us to be, doing what we were always meant to do, living like we were always meant to live, having what we were always meant to have. Amen. By grace, we have been saved, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for the things that you're revealing to us. Thank you, Father, for helping us to lay hold of these things. Lord, that this would not just be another class that we heard, that we maybe took a few notes and just move on to something else. But Father, this is the the very essence of our salvation. This is the very purpose for which Jesus did all that He did, accomplished all that He accomplished. Lord, He did it for us. He did it as us. He did it as our substitute. He gave us credit for His sinless life. We died with Him. We were buried with Him. The old nature, the old man that we were, left in an unmarked grave. We came up out of that grave with Jesus, a new man with a new spirit, with a new nature. And Lord, it's time that we reckon ourselves to be resurrected. Reckon ourselves. Consider ourselves to be raised with Christ. Consider ourselves to be dead to sin. Consider ourselves to be seated together with Him far above all principality, power, might, and dominion in every name that's named. And I thank You, Father, for your goodness to us. I thank you for your Holy Spirit and for your word renewing our minds to these truths. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, we look forward to joining together with you again Sunday morning at 1030. You have a wonderful, blessed rest of your week and good things coming.